everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. So welcome along, uh, Season 7, Episode 38. And just have to reflect on all of this. Basically, for the majority of this podcast, Shamrock Rovers have been um, title winners because this is four seasons in a row, four in a row for Shamrock Rovers. It has been achieved, and we're into the end of our seventh season here. So Dan has been away. He's been he was in Inchicore and Cork reflecting on Shamrock Rovers. The interviews we're going to play with the Shamrock Rovers guys later on, um, Lee Grace and Stephen Bradley, I, I, I just found them very interesting with the view to next season because, uh, as Dan says in the interview, it starts now. Um, but congratulations, Shamrock Rovers. We are an association, as ever, with uh, future ticketing. Uh, we're in association with Collar and Cuff. We call him for our clobber there uh, over the next few days, Decky, um, ahead of our live show on Monday. God, it's only what was that? Is six days away? Um, five days by the time most people. Five days, yeah. yeah. Lots of events also happening at Rascals HQ in Chicago. Go to uh, the What's On page at rascalbrewing.com for details of upcoming movie nights, concert screenings, and all the major sports matches on big screens. Of course, no, nothing more major than than LOI Central's second live show. Yeah, Roddy Collins, Trevor Malloy, um, Keith Ward, and Paddy Barrett. Yeah, next Monday getting close mm. thanks to joe again he, we did manage to put some extra ticket sale as we mentioned last week didn't last for very long it was uh what was it what gone. was this a, a minute or two minutes yeah. it was like it was sort of like refresh the page and they were all gone so um we appreciate that with joe i think your people who are going um definitely try and get along early because uh we're just going to be you know there's a couple of sort of um like picnic tables and sort of uh you know, couches that you might have to share couches with people and stuff like that. It's more of a house party vibe we're working for here. Do you know that sort of like, like you go to some of those restaurants in town and you have to like, yeah, it's communal. You know, but you see, do some people relish that and some people aren't sure. Like you'd look, for like ta- you'd look for the table for two. I'd say you do. Yeah. You'd look for the table for two a bit away from everyone, or you just have to just get up like Oktoberfest or something. You just have to go at the table and just mingle. You know, so there might be some mingling going on, but uh, we wanted to get as many people in as we possibly could. It's so, actually uh, lovely to talk to the people beside you on the night out or, or in a restaurant or in a cafe. You'd never know where it goes, and I mean that in the nice possible way. Well, people now are just, if, if, if you go I for... surprise regular listeners, to be Say fair. if you go for dinner now and you come, you go to the toilet and then you come back, you'll see people on their phone. This is out having oh, yeah. dinner. Out having dinner. So, like... Uh, yeah, it's actually still nice. It's nice to talk to people. Um, not, not necessarily that nice to come on this show, Dan, as it turned out last <laughs> week. What was that about? I have to say, right, I was a bit worried when I heard this on Friday. Joined now by Shelby manager Damien Duff. Damien, a draw on day last week and a few injuries to contend with, but how's your squad looking for tonight? Uh, yeah, we've obviously got a couple of bodies back, but we're still managing a lot of pain in the in the in the squad. But I think it shows how much the lads care about what we're doing and care about each other that they want to put bodies on the line. Obviously, I guess the standout one is is Connor. He uh, misses out tonight. He's been in bed with a really bad virus for the last seventy two hours. Uh, ever since he spoke to Dan and Johnny, don't know what they did to him, but uh, yeah, he's absolutely not fit to play. He's changing in a different dressing room, etc. Upstairs, but. Again, he'll be on the bench tonight if really needed, but he's not fit. So outside of that, we're ready to rock. So Dan, I have to say, before I clicked on the link, friend of the show, Jay Farrell, obviously, um, the era sport days, sent it on to me and I was like, has Connor Kearns broken a curfew here? I was afraid that he'd basically done something wrong and had been basically dropped. Because it was like, he seemed perfectly fine that day. I was messaging him that, that Sorry, day. Sorry, what's your name broken a curfew? Like, he's, he, like he, he, he was, was barred from coming on He was to be at home before coming to the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I know the shells run a sort of a strict enough shit, but like, Johnny, he came over here around 11 o'clock in the morning. I know. You can't say Duff has them housebound. I know, I know. It was the first thing that came into my head. Um, as it turns out, he just got some virus or something. <laughs> but like, yeah. a curfew was for like going to sleep at night, right? You can't break it. Do you know the, you know the way you... He's not actually been held in captivity. <laughs> you know, speaking of captivity, Mind you, he, he did turn up in an orange jumpsuit now that you mentioned it, to be fair. <laughs> Do you know the way that the order of these things? He said, Duff said Dan and Johnny. That just broke my heart. It's not, it wasn't Johnny and Dan. It was Dan and Johnny. And that's just the way things are. You know, I'd say that, that major weekend. Save that for your therapy session. <laughs> he also yeah. gave Jack Moylan a kiss after uh, the game. Uh, in his interview, yeah. So yeah there was an awful lot going on at the weekend. Yeah, look, I mean, and as he said, I suppose there's the, there's the Rovers dominated element to it, but there is a lot of other things going on as well. And the mailbag probably delves into those subjects but um yeah i mean this is it i mean it's 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 four in a row i mean this is something that 
you know it's a thing you grow up hearing if you're of a particular age around our age is like the, the four in a row team like too young to to remember them um i would have seen a lot of the four in a row players play for other clubs you know in the early 90s um and yeah like there was that that sort of they were on that pedestal and now you are in this stage where like a lot of the tone of the stuff after friday is very much uh, it's not an art clip. We have Stephen Baddy, a little bit of Stephen Baddy from after the game in Cork. But um, in the immediate aftermath of Friday, I thought the, the most striking Stephen Bradley line was um, where he said, you know, this was the year, sort of admitting if this, this was the year anyone was going to take us, if this one, you know, we started so slowly, they won't get that chance again. It's like an ominous message to people. Um, and it certainly does seem, although Stephen Baddy was talking yesterday about um, in Cork yesterday, sort of Monday, for a lot of listeners two days ago, um, there would have been a, a sense of, uh, you know, still a little bit unhappy that, the, that with Roy Gaffney, for example, it's taken that long to get contract offers out. It should have been done in the summer. And uh, Jack Byrne was mentioned as well. I'm not sure if Jack Byrne would have signed in the summer, but certainly in, 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 in the sense of Roy Gaffney, um, you know, he's worried that he's left open to being snatched by someone else. You know, he's got good offers from elsewhere. I know Gaffney did make a reference in a pitch interview to, to, to next year and I'd still be I'd still feel like you get that vibe off a lot of them that now that they've done for, there is that sense of, well, let's go for one more. I mean Alan Manis is stepping away, but I think a lot of the others and it does feel like Bradley is more leaning towards staying. As much as that can change, like if a great job offer come up, I still think um, it would be pursued, you know, if it, if it ticked the right boxes. But certainly, there seems to be more of an inclination um, to stay um, at this point. So, uh, I mean, something that's never been done before, you know, can be done next year. So, um, I know there's mixed feelings, naturally, around the league towards it, um, because this has been achieved in an era where financially you've got such a great opportunity um, through Europe to sort of build and strengthen your position now. They have lost a lot of money this year still, so it just goes to show like you, it doesn't guarantee the most stable foundations. You couldn't, like there's been a little bit of turbulence behind the scenes there to say the least that it's not like they're the model club. As much as their academy teams are winning and it comes up in the mailbag, like not everything is, is flawless there and it's 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 not a given that they're going to go on and dominate. I think you have to be, it was natural to say that. But I still have a little bit of caution about declaring that because, you know, there was a couple of times this year that things, they could have been tipped over and things could have gone very unstable there. Now they've got through it to win the league and maybe Stephen Bradley's point is right. Maybe people will regret not taking the chance to punish them this year because if they've been knocked back and, you know, suddenly they're starting off in the Europa Conference League next year with 250 grand in European money, I think it would have been hard for them to, to commit maybe to some budgetary things that they are able to commit to now. They're just a very complex uh, debate for Shamrock Rovers because, like as you say, this weekend their underage teams were pretty dominant um, across the finals. Um, John Martin's gone in as CEO. We we'll hope to get John on at some stage, but CEO, CEO, that you you've alluded to this. So the you know it, it's 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 a it's a club that not surprisingly there are different opinions as to where it should go. Um, it, it was just it was still strange though yesterday seeing like their second string team with such good young players. I don't know any of these players. I never see them play. So, like, you know, somebody said to me last week, "You, when your job is on the line and you put, you give young players the chance, that's just that's a sign that you're really invested in young players." But uh, like, it's a strange one. The Shamrock Rovers. Uh, if you're a player now and you go into Tallaght Stadium, you're like, "This is a," you go to Roadstone, like by all your standards, this is a, this is the club I want to be at. Their average crowds this season were what six, six and a half. 6,000 yeah. in the league. A really amazing sure stuff. what it is, but yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a beautiful pitch. Um, you know, the good wage structures. And I don't know, it's it's just... The club itself, it's kind of strange. This this season did feel a little bit meh to me from Shamrock Rovers because of Europe. But at the same time, Dan, they, they had their rivals at arms. Like, I always think they were probably doing enough. And they ended up winning it easily anyway. And I saw, I thought on Friday night they were... Comfortably the better team, actually, against Pats, I thought. Um, and I thought there were flashes there that showed this is what Chandler... They've played most of the season without Jack Byrne as well, which is which is quite a remarkable. Yeah. Um, and and they've they've been kind of able to manage it. I, I don't know I don't know what to think about this season because I just think Europe was so disappointing. We'll hear from Bradley and Neil Poles as well next season. It's some really interesting stuff from him. Yeah. I mean, I suppose the one thing you would say about Friday, I mean, the average age of the outfield players, I think there was a seven-year difference. I know Stephen Bradley's point is we're not... Old were experienced, 
And I, I definitely, um, I do see where he's coming from that point of view. Um, but in saying that, maybe it's just that the profile of the league is so young. Because the League of Ireland mm. is the second youngest league in Europe mm. at the moment. So, you know, within that, they are a little bit of an outlier to have a team with that age profile. And what I do think is going to happen with Rovers naturally is that they're going to go for the drive for five, as it'll probably be now next year. Um, I do feel like there's a lot of their players on decent sized contracts that um, you know, their deals are probably going to expire at the end of the next season. And, and I feel like maybe with this team, there might be sort of one more year with this team, this group actually being the core. But I think then there might be an, in, an interesting, interesting change at the end of the next season. Mm. Because and I think even budgetary wise and, 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 and things like that, like they do just have a profile of players there you know, who will be coming into their last year next year and you're kind of wondering where will they go at that point. And I'm talking like Sir Richie Tell, Graham Burke, Sean Hoare, um, you know, there's probably a few others that spring to mind. And, I'm not, and by the way, I'm not saying that these players are going to be surplus to requirements at all, I'm not. But I think it's going to get to the stage where naturally it just starts to evolve a little bit. And they signed, like they have a dozen players that have been there um, for all four. Um, I mentioned that in the interview with Lee Grace that we're going to hear in a minute. Um, and they've added to it along the way with experienced players, probably to get over the line and, and get the job done and, and you know, get the best available. Like, you know, they signed players like Sean Gannon, who I don't think were top priorities going into that winter, but then they realised they could. And that's what, yeah. team, that's what teams do. Um, and the issue with for the younger players, and, and I didn't really follow up on your point, I mean... I suppose in some other places they're playing younger players by necessity as well. Yeah. You know, they're like absolute necessity. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure like, you know, certain of those managers at times have, have probably tried to sign some older players, haven't been able to get them. They've lost them to the likes of Rovers or, or whoever. And then you end up playing a very youthful side. But it's... You well, know, say Liverpool in Europe this year. Liverpool have so many games that like in the Europa League, they're kind of able to... The, the League of Ireland doesn't even have a League Cup now for... Like, you don't really see these fringe squares. They don't really get an opportunity, particularly for Stephen Bradley, who the, the difference of the kids that he played at the start to like very, very few players get a look in. Like, like was that Noonan? Like, I mean, he's had a handful He of, had a bad... I know he's been bad with he injuries. Had a bad, yeah, well, he had the and, COVID, and Bradley, COVID Bradley, Bradley really rates him as well. And obviously, Naj is going to be a lot of worried about that. But I was like, I'd never, never seen this player play before. Um, and even then, on Friday night, the two goal scorers come off, are off the bench, Burke and Green. Like, players yeah, that series, you know... I think Green is another year left as well. He's another one of those in that sort of Green Burke coming off the bench is mad. Like, Green Burke could be the most talented player almost in the league, and he's coming off the bench regularly now. It's like... And that's what I've won. I suppose the thing with the younger players and the slight dilemma for them is that um, I'm pretty preempting. So there was a comment in the mailbag about may as well deal right now because we're talking about it. Like, you know, the, the underage players, is their plan just to sell these players? Well, yeah, it's the plan for every club at an underage academy in the country to sell players. They're not they're not alone in that. Like they're all like they're all putting in like a serious amount of money into their academies. And the only way they hope it can pay off, yes, the ideal world is that you produce, you know, in a generation eight to nine very good players, you know, you sell two and hopefully the rest come through and like fill out your team here. Like that's the mm. ideal world scenario. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that being the point. The issue is that they're, they're first, the issue I say, the first team is so strong that it's hard to guarantee these players the amount of minutes. And the slight issue with that is like someone like Najrazi now. So let's look at his situation. He signed a two-year deal last year on his 16th birthday. So he's, he's one year into it. He's got another year left. Um, and if Rovers want to sell him, they need a club in Europe to come in and and buy him. Um, but naturally enough, clubs in Europe probably um, they need to see more evidence of him on the pitch. And you know that's why Nad Razi is like playing in, in Cork on Monday night as opposed to playing under nineteen final. It's a chance to, to give him ninety senior minutes. Um, what did you make of him? It's, he was good. But just to finish my point, like it's hard to. To, to give these players 90 senior minutes whereas at other clubs like you know someone like Sam Curtis who was at Rovers yeah. and then left and he's gone to Pats where he's got the football and he's got well, over 60 appearances now or whatever it is you know Adam Murphy and, and so on so like the slight issue at Rovers is that they want to probably sell some of these players but they can't necessarily give them the minutes so do you loan them you know like you know, Luke McNally was loaned out from Pats to draw and it was brilliant for his career you know and, and like is that's what's going to happen with some of these players they can't really look at me you're going to loan out a 16 year old or a 17 year old or someone else you can't really be you know that's not really ideal you want them around your environment so that's the slight situation now Razzie does seem to be that good um 
you know, Farazai was rated highly, then whatever relations soured. Um, you know, he was trusted in certain big games. Um, what happened there? Like, uh, so it was great to see they had the chance to play these players in Europe because they had a lot of European games last year. But he was like, in my in my view, was nowhere near out of his comfort zone. I think zone. there was just complications and then various. Lots know, of things going on. Yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know. I've heard two different versions of the story. Okay. But, but either, either way, like, you know, Razi is, um, is definitely one that's. Uh, very good, but like you need to keep him going and getting the minutes under his belt. But Rob how many players looking the, to win every? Like how many gonna, regular players for Rovers actually came this season came through the academy? How many regulars for Sharmac Rovers this season came through the academy? Almost none. Um, I I think you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, which that, is a bit weird. Well, it's it, it is, but I suppose like okay, I'm gonna look around the Premier Division. Like how many players at uh, Dundalk this year have come through Dundalk's the academy. underage has never seemed to be particularly strong. Shells. Um, shells. Yeah. How many of Bows? There's a couple. Bows I, I know there's a couple. Yeah. Pats have actually quite a few. Pats are know, probably a slightly outlier stuff. But like, uh, there's not like, you know, you have someone like mm. James Clark was at Rovers. But this is a law of the academy where like, these, like you, you see underage how good they are. It's it's all. It's like a lot of the Rovers Academy players are now like really good. key players at other clubs yeah. around the country. And yeah, in the same way, that like 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 in England, like the Manchester United Academy has lots of players. You pre- used to in its third in its heyday, like you used to send like you know Robbie Savage and all these players mm. around the country and fill out other squads, and there'd be others as well. Like there's only X amount of places at Rovers, and this is the mm. thing. Like at a point, do you? I mean, I suppose this is the thing that there was always a feeling that this generation that's coming through now is their academy, their real, like, like they, yes, they've had the academy before, but like, Naj Razi was there all the way through. Razi can't be far he, off he's, playing though. He's not, he's not someone that's been taken from yeah. you know, somewhere else at 14, 15. Yeah. Like, Razi has come all the way through and there's a real excitement around that 09, generation coming through. This is my point. The, the, in some ways, the litmus test is like the end of next year when it feels like a lot of these current senior Rovers players are maybe getting towards the end of a cycle or they might certainly carry a slightly smaller squad, you know, of those big experienced players. And can you find room for the three, four? If you really rate Conan Noonan, can he be a first choice squad member? You know, Razzie, Kieran Cruz. Yeah. Like, you know, that you're actually, like, you're not far away. But it's true, like, as well, Rovers, I mean, they're going to, they're going to sell them. Like, the, the, like, like everyone, like, with, with the Pats next the, year could start next. Like Pat's could start <laughs> next season without Curtis, without Murphy. Yeah, um, and okay, Amelia will still be there, I think. Yeah. But then you're looking. Okay, well, how many academy players do they then have in their squad? Mm. You know, but they're in a sweet spot at the moment where they have a lot of the, the sixty. The, the, the lack of a secondary third competition is is actually it is depriving teams of the chance to play. Like there aren't that many. The league is so cutthroat now. There aren't that many chances to actually give peripheral players time, game time well, that's it's a point. bit weird that's it's a point. bit weird yeah. that's point. Like, so, so I, I, I'd never seen this lad play before like Razzie like, Razzie yeah like, well, he, well, he's, well you did did I I was in the pub watching you play watching him play oh okay which was Ireland under 17s Ireland 17 okay I'm sorry i never seen him play for Shamrock Rovers yeah. right but and you are thinking like you're Algerian descent you know Zidane comparisons why not you know he looks he does I loved, I loved how easy he made it look to get space in the ball particularly playing, in a, playing on a bad pitch on a bad a, pitch and Bradley a said the worst this position. year they've had a lot of rain down there um, but yeah I don't know like and in fairness to Bradley he's managing a complex dress room it's not straightforward this is a, 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 a you know a load of league winners but also a lot of people who want to be playing not playing look at their second team yesterday how good these players are that aren't playing and, and his um, job, and his job is to win. This is the pro- like the, the problem that like you know his CV is built on winning as well. What's this season? And, if, if from A plus also, down, and also and also, I'll, I'll finish that in a second. I'll come that in a second. And Trona, and, that and, and with and with that as well, you know, with the sort of tensions that have existed behind the, the scenes at the club this year, um, you know, I think if Bradley had had, had not won the league, like it would have been a lot of. Pressure yeah. putting them so like that, but but you know I think that there's there's so many layers to hold about. How would I rate their season? We got a um, message on Twitter today from England from a guy who's like, "What you what what are your views on Stephen Bradley?" And in, in a DM, there's like some lad who seems to have credentials is asking us about Stephen Bradley. So right. he is he is That's definitely right. on the radar. He's definitely I, on the I, radar. I missed that one. I look. I think their season. I mean, they got ten from twelve against Pats, ten from twelve against Bows, seven from twelve against Derry, but they lost the first one. Um, and like in all those big games they've delivered, I think the Europe is a disappointment. 
think it's probably a, a, a B season, you know? Okay. I think it's probably B. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it's I don't think in of itself this has been a vintage season, mm. one of the greatest seasons in club football history. No, I I think last year was was better. You know, just because they managed it on two fronts, you know, and they did the thing, I think that's a better season. I still think the bar they hit in 2020 was very high. I know it was the abridged season. Mm. I get that. Mm. But that first Rovers four in a row team of the four, when you had Byrne and McAniff before they went away and like certain players now a couple of years younger, they were flying at that stage. I know people talk about the three and a half and that's all that. Like they did once, like if that season was 36 games, they would have won by a lot of points that season, you know? Mm. So, um, I, I, I still think they had a very high, like, you know, when they played Milan that time, like, they, they were very good at that stage. Um, but now they probably have more depth in their squad. Um, but yeah, it's true. Anyway, listen, let's, let's, let's before we go on to um, some other business, let's get our actual, the, the main core of our Shamrock Rovers reaction. First of all, uh, I spoke to Lee Grace uh, after the Nell drawn Cork, but it was really more about other things. So Lee Grace, we were chatting briefly off air. No, Shamrock Rovers have been very good at keeping your details under wraps of your celebrations at the weekend. So what can you say? Is there anything uh, you can get out there into the public? Oh, look, event? obviously Friday, um, we went back to a, a local close enough to the stadium and enjoyed ourselves Friday. And then we met up Saturday as a team again, the staff, and uh, had another few few points, few quiet ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great few days. Um, and look, you have to enjoy these moments. They don't come around too often, so... Yeah, I think it's 12 of you have been there for all four, which is, uh, I could be wrong, but I think no, it's... No, I think you're right. I think I've seen the tweet that it is yeah, 12. It's an, like, it's an incredible number. Like, I mean, and I, I'm not excluding the others because some have done three and, yeah, you know, yeah. like in, in different spells in some cases, but, like, you must get that sense collectively of what this is going to mean over time. You know, I don't think it'll sink in for a couple of years down the line. Um, yeah, look, it's great. We... We're after we're after emulating now what the what the lads done in the eighties and it's great but uh, I think as Rory said in an interview the other day we we'll be looking to push for five now as well. Um, we can't get carried away, we want to enjoy this as well. Um, and we have and, and we will again next week when we're when we're lifting the trophy. I think I think uh, I think collectively you've all sort of bristled a bit at the start of the season, you've no wins in six and uh, a bit of noise from outside but you sort of seem to be always very I say bristling but in other, in other ways you're also very confident like no one was losing the head either no, to be fair we, we didn't get carried away we knew look the results weren't going our way but if you look back in them games our performance I thought were very good in most of them games barring one or two um, so we knew we knew the results would eventually start coming if we keep putting in the performances and keep working hard and, and thankfully they did we went on a good run um, and yeah look it's it's unbelievable we I think now we're on another serious run of unbeaten in eight or nine. You'll probably pick yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but yeah. We always seem to finish the season strong because we've such a big squad and, and everyone plays at heart. The one thing that struck me, like you got 10 from 12 against Pats, 10 from 12 against Bowes. Derry, I know you lost the first one, but I think seven from nine in the next sort of three. I know Shells, you had one or two difficulties, yeah. but generally teams in the top half, yeah, you no, won all the head-to-heads. Everyone around us, I think we we done very, very good throughout the year. Um, you could say that the teams we should be beating on paper, no disrespect to anyone. We kind of we struggled a bit to start the season against them ones, um, but the people around us, we did, we performed very, very well, um, and it stood to us. Uh, like over the winter, like is, some people say the leagues are won in the winter as much as in the in the summer, in the midst of it. Like when you come back after three in a row, is there a sense of like people? Some like, the reason it's so hard to win leagues back to back is because teams lose their hunger, or they lose some focus or some desire. Was that something you ever had to speak about, or was it always there? I think it's always there. Um, we very, very rarely speak about it. Um, I think once once you start losing your hunger, you'll be found out in the group fairly fairly sharpish, and, and you'll be probably gone. Um, but everywhere you look in the dressing room, everyone wants more. Um, but you can't beat that winning feeling. Um, I know as the years go on, you probably start to lose that when you're coming close to retirement age and all that kind of stuff. But everyone in that dressing room is so hungry for more. Um, I know I am, and every time I look around, everyone else is as well, so uh, we don't have to speak about it, I think it's just there. I mean, like, the fans are singing tonight, we want five, we want five, I mean, you'll have a great time now, you'll enjoy Friday, but you sort of know in a couple of weeks' time, that's what people are going to be saying to you. Yeah, look, you're you're at at the biggest club in Ireland, so there's always going to be pressure, and you're expected to go out and win every week, Um, that's why I love playing this club, I love that pressure, and so does everyone else. I think if you weren't there to play under that pressure, you wouldn't be here for very long, Um, and as you said, yeah, look... We'll enjoy the next few weeks, but we know come middle of December when we're back in the gym, 
I'll talk all the talk will be about Fife, so yeah, we look forward to the challenge. Get much chat from back home. I mean, there's not too many multiple league winners from your neck of the woods. No, I'm trying to think now who's at the win in the league back in my town uh, Darryl Cavanagh might yeah. have one with Pats maybe just the one you know yeah. that's the problem <laughs> um, yeah there's not too many more um, so yeah look it's, it's great I went home last night I see my family and it's great to everyone come around congratulating me and, and, and saying well done and all that it is great but uh, I don't get uh, too carried away with myself I try not to I try to stay grounded as much as I can I think I saw a tweet from the Irish Defence Forces though which is a part of your uh, yeah, story. Kind of I started, yeah. Um, I played with the Irish Army team in 2017, the European Championships. That's kind of where a few of the Wexford youth boys were playing with me at the time. And they put me on to Shane and I kind of went from there, so that's where I kind of started. So it is nice that they still remember me as well. And my old junior club as well, Carrick United Club and Post as well. I never forget my roots, that's where I started. And um, yeah, I'll always remember where I came from. Because it's mad, you, you see someone like Naj tonight, like Naj Razzie's 17, like a completely different football upbringing to you, you know, like he's been exposed to it from an early age, but it takes all sort of backgrounds and stories. You've got lads in your dressing room, like Jack, you were golden boys at sort of 16, 17. Yeah, everyone has different hats. Um, yeah. Mine is quite uh, unique, I'd say. Um, just to touch on Naj, he was unbelievable tonight. Um, what a player. I see there's interest across the water. Real Madrid and everything else has had to be mentioned, but... Uh, I, I can see tonight why there's a mud bat out there and he's so good himself and Cohen in the middle I thought they were brilliant yeah yeah. yeah. Um, thought they were brilliant um, Rory Heat says to me uh, halfway through the second half Naj was going on a little run he said is he 17 yeah so he's going to go very far and he's he's well grounded he's a very good lad so uh, delighted for Naj a little bit surprised with no guard of honour tonight your managers had a, bit, a few words about it there I think they did look I think I think it was more so they didn't want really trouble coming out of the team and stuff so I think that was more more yeah. the reason um, but look hopefully we get a guard of honour next, next week but we'll have the trophy regardless but I think the man- lastly like, as the manager says he said last week you know you've had your you know you lose in Europe and, and around those times there's always noise from outside the camp but it seems like you feed off it a bit as well too yeah, you do you want to you want to prove the doubt was wrong I suppose um, and look we've had a f- we've had a few throughout the season and look everyone is entitled to their opinion it's fine um, we try not to listen to it we kind of we try to keep to ourselves and keep the, the noise out of the dressing room but you do see the, the odd remark here and there and it kind of fuels the fire you can say and you just want to prove people wrong and thankfully we did again was Graham Burke and are you heading home tonight yeah I'm heading back home yeah I'm uh, back down to Super Asian I'm not back in now from Thursday so come see the family and, and and the fiancé and keep everyone happy recharge the batteries yeah all right, go again Thursday. Yeah, so Lee Grace um, hasn't lost his accent. Yeah, he did. He did. He, did, he also mentioned there the um, the uh, the guard of honor situation, which we'll discuss in the mailbag. We haven't forgotten that. So um, yeah, and just we'll also in the same sort of vein now we we'll play a little bit of Stephen Bradley. Um, again, he gave us big interviews more so on Friday. You know, after winning the league, and I think people would have read a lot of his quotes and. and listen to a lot of Vinci's over the weekend maybe talking about that um, but I did want to follow up maybe something from Friday just in the context of some of the tensions behind the scenes this year and, and that's got a lot of headlines had he actually enjoyed the season? I've loved when I'm on the pitch I love when I'm here with the players and anytime with the players I love it but yeah it's been difficult it's been extremely uh, difficult this year not on the pitch That's that looks after itself um, we know what we do we know uh, what it takes to win it's more everything else and, and that's been yeah that's it's been difficult definitely yeah. nice moment with the fans at the end though I sense like you were savouring it that little bit more yeah no, I love the fans I love it's a bank called in Monday there's nothing riding on the game and they show up and their numbers they're incredible they have been for this group for me um, they've uh, gave me nothing but support and uh, tonight was a bit of showing our appreciation for them and, and again they've shown up in their numbers and can't thank them enough for that. Yeah, because down here was one of your worst nights, I guess. Yeah, you know, exactly. The previous time they were yeah. singing Josh's name at the start. Yeah. I don't know if you heard that, but yeah, like... I did. Yeah, I was a... and again the, the support I received from that from from all around the country, but uh, our fans really, really uh, gathered around me and, and and helped me at that point, and, and uh, that's not lost me. You know, I um, I can't thank them enough. So now it was nice to have that moment with them there, and, and uh, like I said, the show up incredible numbers. On a Monday, bank holiday, it's, yeah, brilliant. Sorry, last one, Leon. Um, yeah. It was a nice moment for him. 
Is he like your number one next year? Is that the way yeah, you're, you're that's, thinking? Yeah, that's what we'll be looking at Leon for that. We've analysed it now for the last 18 months because we knew this point was coming with Alan. And we've seen Leon grow and grow the last few years and, and I've had a number of conversations with Alan about Leon the last year. And Alan thinks he's the best in the league. Alan, Alan has said that quite a number of times to me the last year, you know. Um, and I've picked his brains on why he feels that way he thinks it. And, and uh, yeah, we think Leon's is, is ready to play for us. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Is he a different animal now than the, the first couple of times he came into the team where maybe he had one or two yeah. tough, maybe tough days? Like, has he learned from those experiences and the summer just gone as well, which seemed to go better than yeah. the last time he was in, if you know Yeah, I mean? no, it's definitely, he's definitely learned and grown and got better. Um, there's no doubt about that. Well, Jose has been working now for the last three and a half, four years now, and, and when we seen Leon and we liked him, uh, we always thought of, we could have time room. Jose, he, he could make him a really top one because of his attributes. And, and uh, Leon's matured and, and uh, he's just got better and better. And like I said, when you speak to Alan, Alan's uh, no doubt in his mind how good he is and how good he can be. So, uh, yeah, we, um, Leon is one that uh, we're really comfortable going into next year. I, I found that fascinating, Dad, because... Like, I've I've always made this point. Stephen Bradley's Shamrock Rovers time was basically it, the, the 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 time where it started to take off was when Gavin Bazuna went in goal. Mm. Ever since then, Shamrock Rovers have utterly dominated Irish football. Gavin Bazuna into Alan Manus. Yeah. Prior to that, he got it wrong with goalkeepers one hundred percent. Um, and they had a lot of what was the five two against Dundalk kind of these mad games where they weren't yeah. playing badly. So he got it wrong. That's that's fine. So this season, um, yeah, you, you reference this. Paul did quite well this season, I think, when he came in, and he got a he got to get a bit of a run with Manus's injury. Yeah, but one or two goals, you'd be like, yeah, maybe the goal, long the, shots. You'd be the like, long shot against, but, um, but generally in terms of being two brilliant saves in Cork last night, and just yeah. general presence. Um, and I suppose within the league, and this is the point within the league that naturally we, we see players come in and then you, you, you see them at a particular level and you tend to think, well, that's their level. But then you look at someone like Rory Keating this year who's completely like changed the perception of them. And like that can happen. And I suppose in a full-time culture, if you're Leon Poles and you're training there every day for a number of years, like, you know, he's at an age in the career where you think, well, he, he can improve. Now, I think as well, I don't think Rovers, like there's no outstanding, obvious number one out there. So, like, Go with the player you have in house who knows how you work, who has a relationship with the players around them. It, it's funny how it's sort of in a way, if, if Powell's did struggle, it would be like coming full circle where Bradley's getting questions about goalkeepers, like back, to where, back to where you started. But I think they have the credit in the bank this time, you know, to, to back them the, and to, to, to sort of give them a go. The, the New York Jets at the moment, they've this quarterback come in, Zach Wilson, he's been very, very up and down, but they've had to throw him in because Aaron Rodgers got injured basically this season. And he's kind of grown, but there's still that sort of like uh if you have a goalkeeping issue like i think pat's lioness has been massive for past the season since he came in he just kind of steady the lioness ship. or lioness lioness i think that's massive and i i i feel paul doesn't have enough in the bank to suggest that this isn't a gamble to some extent and i think shamrock rovers this season um I wasn't convinced by him in Europe. I have to say, now I thought in the big games where you really, really need the likes of Manus, and you know they knew, as you said, Manus was coming to the end. This is a, this is an intriguing one for me. I generally and and what what he's relaying about Manus, this is the best in the league. Remarkable stuff because there's literally nobody nobody uh, voting in now would say Leon Paul is the best goalkeeper in the league. Not one listener to this show would say that with with a genuine heart. Um, no, how good is the standard of goalkeeping in the league? Takes us in another direction, but I, 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 I'm not. I'm not it. sure it's particularly well, this high. Is it. Like you know, you mentioned Dean Linus, like for Pats, and see one one of their Player of the Year awards. Um, you know, like this is someone who was basically signed as a sort of a stopgap keeper. Mm. You know, experience at, and competence at a particular point. You know, like you, you, you sort of look at this year, like Luke McNichols, like went to Wrexham from the league. Um, but you, you know, James Talbot, okay, he's probably had sort of a mixed campaign. Nathan Shepard, I would say his stock has probably fallen a little bit this yeah. year. Yeah. Um. So I mean, we've had Connor Cairns in last week. You know, before we sort of um afflicted him with a. Virus. That's right. Obviously, yeah. clear we don't have a studio guest this week, just in case. <laughs> just in case, you know. Although, although um, I must say that weirdly, we all ended up feeling fine ourselves. Um, so I feel like 
Connor probably went <laughs> off to some kind of political event yeah, afterwards. He got, know, the, he got the left wing virus. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say to you there? You, I've lost my train yeah, of thought here. Well, um, goalkeepers. The, the, the what about goal scorers though? I mean, this is the other thing. <sighs> this is like this is a slight issue. You have a, a sorry. Yeah, very briefly. Polls. The first save of those two that was referenced was outstanding. Like you'd have to say, I, I'm still not convinced by him, but like I'm entitled to be wrong played, again, well, again, again. But, he's, but like you're talking about Queeven Kelleher say at the moment, he's played so few mm. games of football. Like, and like Gavin Bazunu has like played you know probably up, upwards of a hundred games now, and he's learning on the job. And like you think he's very good, but then he makes mistakes. But he's learning from those games. Like yeah. I suppose the thing that Leon Paul's practically played no football in his career. He's been in the background all the time. So who's the goalie in team maybe here? Maybe Mar- or um, maybe we need to see 50, 50 sort of games yeah. from him to see what he's like, Mar- or, or, or fifteen in a row or something. You know, Mar- or Kearns gets goalkeeper of the year. Oh yeah, good question. I wonder what Manus be in a share for that team of the year. I actually don't know. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't been asking what the the land. Anytime we've had discussions with players, even just socially about it, I get all different answers for all different positions. There's an absence of consensus. Like we go back to the strikers. This is the point. Like a 36 game season, and at the moment, the top scorer is 13 goals. There's a touchdown on 13 or 12, including like Max, Max Mata, who's left the league. Uh, like Freddie Draper is still like, with eight goals. Who's, who's doing very well? Like for Walsall now, isn't a million miles off it? Um, wow. It's it's sort of uh, crazy, you know. You've like, had a little wager on Afalabi. Well, I have I have a couple of wagers running Did in you the market. Keating as well. No, that was oh, last okay. year in first division. But uh, <laughs> but uh, and we've we've had Huben still in the mix, at, and we'll come to him in the mailbag too. Um, and yeah, Moylan has made a run for it now. You know, to be joint top scorer. Like we've got like Moylan. Okay, he is now playing as a striker. To be fair, but Forrester, who is a midfielder, like it's it's like the twenty goal a season striker in Ireland, if it exists, will probably get your team. To, to second I'd say I'd say if you could find one of them Conor you know? Kearns just saying he did respond after the game on um, I just said to him I, I hope you're you know hope you're okay blah 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 and I was like the big man got you out of jail just as well I spoke so highly about him on the podcast unplayable at times last Moylan. night really excited to see where he goes and you Scott was on co-commentary Love Ireland. <laughs> that was because I was. I remember I turned on the game or the highlights. I was like, "Who is this guy who seems to have been a goalkeeper with an English accent with a shells link?" I couldn't think of it. Couldn't think. Of it. And uh, of course, it was Scott from Love Island. Yeah, yeah. Scott Vander Sluish. Good, good, good goalkeeper, apparently. Yeah. Now, before yeah. we go to the mailbag, <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, reality stars like Roddy Collins, Roddy Collins should be on some kind of reality show, shouldn't he? Yeah. Has he done one? Not a fan of reality shows, to be fair. Maybe. But, um, well, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, we are doing our own sort of virtual reality show next Monday in Rascals. And the point is, we sold out. So last week's quiz suddenly had a lot more riding on it because it, it's about getting two prize tickets. So the question was related to the backstory of Trevor Malloy in the context of could you name uh, two players and this was the key point I'm not sure everyone listened fully two players born outside of Ireland who played for all four of the big Dublin clubs since 2000 so I know various names like Mark Leach and, and people given who played for all four clubs but it was two born outside of Ireland um, and the answers to those questions where Joseph and Mark Rutherford. Joseph and Mark Rutherford with a lot of entries and two icons of the League of Ireland, you'd have to say. Yeah, and um yeah, it's mad. You kind of forget you'd forget they both played for Rovers. That'd be the thing. You'd sort of you sort of forget about I'd those forgotten things. I'd but certainly forgotten uh, I remember Rutherford, I did forgotten though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He might even be alone. But um anyway, this week's question is related to our other We haven't said who the winner guess. is. Oh sorry. Yeah. It's a key point. Damien Byrne. This was a there was a there was a huge entry for this. Um what with the sold out live show and all that? I think there'd be touts outside, Dan, flogging it for like 200 well, nickels to get was, into there was, there was tout, Well, I mean, I was, yeah, there might be people out there who've like bought multiple tickets. Roddy would probably be flogging a few tickets here. There's a bit of a wheeler dealer like outside. <laughs> I've, had certain, I've had certain other guests on to be looking for like a large number of tickets. Like, I just can't, I can't, we can't accommodate them here. It's like, yeah. um, you know, I mean, tickets in Irish football, I mean, it's brought a lot of good people down over the years. <laughs> a lot of bad ones. The Greek uh, lad. George, yeah, where's George the Greek? George the Greek George is, you're going to have to find George the Greek and get an enter. Congratulations to Damien Byrne. Um, yeah. And this yeah. week's question is a good one as well. Though. Yeah. So Paddy Barrett and Keith Ward, two of our guests, they've been around the houses. How many League of Ireland clubs have they played for between them? So... Add Paddy Barrett's League of Ireland clubs to Keith Ward's League of Ireland clubs. And uh, clearly, there's a bit of a crossover, but they've never shared a dressing room together. 
Um, so how many clubs uh, are covered? I'm gonna like I'm gonna recall. Out of my central pod that, on Twitter and Instagram, get your entries in, and yeah, would that, we would will that, announce it naturally because the show is next Monday. We'll probably over the weekend we'll announce in our socials. Who's w- got without giving so it get away. it in by Friday he lunchtime. Did, he folks. did play for Galway United in Galway FC actually, which was that season where yeah it was Galway. To be FC. clear with this, we, we are counting. The Galway and any club that's had various <laughs> names or handles, Counting they, them as they, seven. They, they count as one. They count uh, as one. But remember, there is only one true Galway. Who's the kid? Uh, we, so they were playing UCD to go up, and it's like in the heat of battle in the second half. Thailand's and the Galway United fans start singing like basically Ed Sheeran. You're having a laugh, Ed Sheeran. You're having a laugh at Young Cannon that played for UCD, who looked like vaguely like Ed Sheeran. Connor Cannon, yeah. Connor Cannon, and Paddy Barrett just started pissing himself laughing in the middle of the game and I've always thought he was a bit of a cult hero after that he's Paddy he, and he laughed, at, he laughed at one of your jokes it wasn't my joke he laughed uh, at someone that's else's joke. joke Paddy and Wardy I'm, I'm going to make a bold prediction here Paddy and Wardy is going to be good like a lot of a lot like Roddy is obviously the big name these lads are funny two funny characters you, you put let's a lot of not pressure. screw it up you've put a lot of pressure on them now Johnny to be clear and big Trevor Malloy um, yeah. yeah that brings me back well I hope it's a bold prediction given that we booked them you know, yeah. I, I would hope that you'd, you'd have confidence that they would go well. Otherwise, we're in a lot. I booked them. I think you were very much behind the, the dynamic. It was, it was my work. idea. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it was. It was a good idea. Yeah. I, I can't see this failing, Dan. I've said that before. <laughs> Famous uh, last word. Often in a relationship. This, 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 this time next week as we sift through the, the legal wreckage of our show. <laughs> One time um, uh, podcast. We, we will play, to be clear, we will play the best bits uh, or even substantial bits, printable uh, bits next week. Um, but if you hear heavily edited sections, <laughs> you'll know what happened. There is also going to be a roving microphone there as well. Sort of like a gentle Ben in that uh, show where it's like, we're just going to no, attack. Ben, no. I'm just going to attach it to someone's <laughs> head and send them around the room. Um, hopefully, it doesn't get too uh, too unruly. Of course, people yeah, get in early as well. You can get your uh, get your sort of your your can of rascals yeah, and your there. free your, your free beer, your free glass. Free beer. Yeah, get your glass of free beer. Yeah, so that's um, that's all about the live show. But let's move on from that to this week's mail. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. So. Shreddy Van, if that's the correct name. Should Cork have given Rovers a lap of honour? I mean, this was the thing last night. Wasn't much of a game in Cork. Nothing really riding on it. Um, so, again, like a storm. Maybe a storm in a teacup. But, I mean, it was a genuine storm in the sense that Stephen Bradley wasn't happy. He did come out of the dressing room with... Um, he did have a bag with two bottles of champagne in it which I, I didn't really comment on initially. And there was actually someone else, a local reporter said, uh, what's, you know, what's going on with that? And they were actually, as it transpired, the, the bottle of the champagne that Richie Holland had presented to him before the match while explaining that they wouldn't be doing the Guard of Honour effectively because the Cork fans didn't want them to do it. And he just, you know, in front of the shed, Lee Grace referenced it in the interview previously, they just weren't having it. It's caused, you know, classic water boundary, the treat you do one for Galway, apparently not. The Shamrock Rovers do one in 2012. They didn't. Um, do I think Cork City should have given one? I think they probably should have. Do I understand uh, Richie Holland's position? Absolutely. It seems to have worked. Everyone's sort of like, yeah, Cork against the world. This is brilliant. Richie Holland, Holland's our boy. So he's probably vindicated in his decision, even if it was sort of, in my view, maybe the wrong one, but maybe it's the right one because of that. There are first world problems in this. I really couldn't give a toss. And um, next, next mail, but I just think it's just nothing. Like it's a nothing story. Um, but, but Cork, have their own, Cork have their own issues at the moment. People are energized by it, Johnny. Yeah, I, 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 you're not. I'm certainly not by this. No, um, no. I've never actually taken any notice of these guards of honor or whatever. Like, um, but you know, you you did touch that. Well, but Johnny, unfortunately, the slight problem is that like if we like stop reading mailbag questions on the basis of other things that were gone in the world, no, no, there no, would no. be literally nothing we could cover. No, I just think this is irrelevant. Just uh, yeah, it, pers- it doesn't energize me at all. But um, yeah, I've seen Bradley was very forceful on it, which I was slightly surprised at. Anyway. Yeah, well, I, what I think is more so interesting about it, interesting mm. the whole Rovers thing. Like that is a whole thing of well, should Sligo Rovers do it on Friday? And I heard someone talk about it this morning. And it's like, you know, but there's a keen rivalry between the clubs. And it's like... There's a keen rivalry between everyone in Chamber Rovers. This is the point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know that it annoys people that that that's the case. But, like, there's so many people, like, you know, Cork are like, ah, you know, the dubs down here. What they have done it for Pats. 
I wonder what they have. I think they possibly might have. You know, there is this thing for Rovers out to go to, to, to Sligo, it's the big game, to go to Cork, it's the big game, to go to Dundalk, it's the big game. The Dundalk fans traditionally would have much more of a Shamrock Rovers that arrive was not Drada. Drada be down the list of like priorities. Derry, big game, you know, the Rovers in town. I mean, it is sort of a compliment to them in a way. And and I think, to be honest, from the Rovers' point of view, just get annoyed about over this stuff is the way to go because they have to find their drive to keep going from somewhere. Drive for five. Drive I, for it's five. funny It's funny that the years that I got into the League of Ireland, and it seems like a distant memory now, Shamrock Rovers, no home, going from one place to the other. Rovers will play anywhere because they've no effing home, as we used to sing. Um, generally not within the Nassau's Roar winning a title either in those years. Limping along, could have gone absolutely nowhere, and now they're going for five in a row in a stadium with five-figure uh, audiences next season. Mm. Um, perseverance. Robert Lavelle. Does Johnny think it was mad to see Rovers fans celebrate winning the league on Friday? Milky, Rovers celebrated. Um, another commentary. If this season was a failure, maybe have many more. Hashtag four in a row. Yeah. Shout Should out they to, have celebrated? Shout out to Aaron Rogan as well. Absolutely. Like four in a row. Um, I, I was probably a little bit unfair in that. And that, you know, four in a row, as somebody who's seen going night up until the season win nothing, and then you win a first division, it's like, okay, I actually see a team win something. Maybe I'm a bit uh, removed from the actual concept of winning anything. So it's like, it does mean a loss. <laughs> I would judge Irish clubs on what they did in Europe, though, big time, particularly because I think Shamrock Rovers set a fairly decent bar last What's year. What's your rating for this season? So you put me in a spot. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're about right. Yeah. Um, but the, the caveat then is that they've lost an awful lot of money That's this season wouldn't yeah. be sustainable going forward so it's like it, you can go into the principal and say well you get me a B but like basically the school is going to be bankrupt the way we're going do you know <laughs> that, what I mean but that's my point I, I'm not that worried about the two million or whatever they've lost because Shamrock Rovers as a model should be fine absolutely fine Sinclair Armstrong for example stuff like that should be fine this season on that level though was one of the biggest losses I'm sure a League of Ireland club has ever had in the league in a year yeah well I don't one know of, one of. yeah so there'll probably be a few rivals yeah. but <laughs> like but like but in in saying that it's it, it just goes to show that it can be fragile as well like yeah. they're obviously going to operate off a similar maybe slightly higher budget next year so if someone comes and takes them in the league and they struggle in Europe again it's not a given that they go on and like win win 6 7 but if they if they get back on the horse next year and and perform adequately in Europe and get where they should well then Someone's got to come and find a way to take it from somewhere. Alan Hansen and Alex Ferguson and that year, right? They're, they're still, it's still spoken about because Ferguson did put all that faith in young players coming through. If I were Stephen Bradley, I'd be more inclined to have a lesser of a lesser squad in terms of numbers, and I play younger players more. But the only and issue, that's simplistic. The, the issue with that parallel, Johnny, though, I and mean, this is the slight problem, is that. Uh, if you're Manchester United in the 90s, if you don't win the league, you're still a multi-million operation that can afford the world. You finish second, that's oh, a disaster. Clearly, it's a lot more fragile year to year for clubs, which is part of the weakness of our league. But mm. like, if you lose, if you like, you, you lose the league, the club could crumble and lose your job. So you concentrate on winning the next league. Now, that's not the way it should be, but that's probably it's informing part of decisions. Like, like Ferguson did that off the back of winning you know a couple of league titles having not won it for 26 years his status was completely rock solid like you know he was he was in a position and also yeah you come second he's far more ruthless with all players you come you come second you come third well you say that but as i said i think there's a there's a reckoning coming for some of the players at rovers maybe in the next season and we'll see the, 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 this will be mentioned in the mailbag as well but dan but like be careful we're in the mailbag at the moment yeah, we're the, in con the, the contrast of dundalk's demise and where they're at compared to rovers it's like Enjoy it, enjoy, and this is it, like, I, should, I shouldn't I should be saying, like, will they celebrate? Obviously, they'll celebrate, because these are great times, and Dundalk, who are top of the world, are all over the shop at the moment. Dundalk section, yeah. on who Thoughts on another mad week off the pitch for them. Uh, Sorry if I've interrupted your yes. mailbag flow. Thoughts on another week, mad week off the field for Dundalk, but a good week on the pitch. I mean, it was a good week on the pitch. Connor Root, I'm going to read Dundalk ones, and I'm going to do deal with the Dundalk section. The uncertainty is not certain either way, but it always seems certain that it's negative. That was a direct quote. One of the most bizarre sentences of an interview all season in a league with box office stuff for interviews that's quite the honour what an artist Stephen O'Donnell saying in the Sound above a bit like Rico back in the day Kevin Mullen what in the lads opinion is the best model for a club to run stay competitive but avoid going bust our wages of the players too, too high at the minute uh, when you look at the incomings in terms of revenue I know Kevin's an dog fan so I'm including in that section and Chris Rocks DFC asking Hoban to leave doesn't uh, Hoban to leave doesn't bode well for the competitive budget Dan doubled down on well I know 
to be clear, I doubled down on it in the context of people saying they wouldn't have a competitive budget last year, which was in the context of mad local rumours suggesting they were going to go part-time mm. or something like that, which have now reappeared in the last week. Mm. Um, I mean, the, oh God, the general week with the knock. The, the Stephen O'Donnell quote, by the way, the uncertainty is not certain either way, but it always seems certain that it's negative. I do understand the point he was trying to make. He's trying to say that there's uncertainty around Pat Hoobin, but that doesn't definitively mean that he's going but it always seems certain that it's negative now that was unfortunately prior to Pat Hoobin then giving an interview um, which took things probably to another level um, which uh, yeah I mean I don't know I'm not sure what to make of that whole situation what, what I would say is the interview if you haven't heard sorry the, the fair point the gist of the interview was Pat Hoobin saying um, I think he was annoyed with a reference in a match report that suggested he was trying to engineer a move away and um, he didn't, you know, effectively said, I'm not going to be taken to be, to be called a liar and, and, and so on. You know, he, he confirmed that the club had, had come to him. I think it was a chat with the management, you know, that they'd come to him. And, well, there's, 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 this is where probably things get a bit grey, but certainly it seems like they were telling him, you know, that he definitely wasn't, like he wasn't 100% in their plans for next season, i.e., wouldn't be shedding any tears if you if you left. You know, that was sort of the message of it. And he is one of their higher earners. And the fact is, you know, the like Dundalk actually do have quite a few players under contract for next season. This is the thing. There's, there's sort of two, like, I don't think they actually have a small budget. Like, this is the point. Like, I think they probably have, you know, they have a reasonably sized budget, you know, and they have, they're probably committed to an X amount of players. But because they've now missed out in Europe and because there's doubts over they the situation, missed out in Europe. you know, yeah, this because, yeah, because they, have to yeah, they've got the a job. chance. They've got a chance. But, yeah. I guess the point is that, uh, and Pat's win the cup, but the, the point is that um, Huben is on a big wage and you can probably understand at a point where it looks like Daniel Kelly's joining Derry. Scores you can see weekend. why you're thinking, okay, um, you know, if, if, if one player moves off the books, you know, can you get a couple in? So you, instead, could, could you be talking swap deals maybe? Stuff like that. You know, these are options that could be on the table. I would say generally about the Holden Dock situation, right? football in Ireland is volatile and crazy and in particular towns and places like um, the rumour mill is crazy. Dundalk is the rumour mill on steroids and the problem is that some of it genuinely like it's not so much that the rumour mill goes round but it takes off it gets amplified it even you'll have like social accounts of people who are you know known as sort of uh, in the media or around the media who will, will pump this stuff out there and it takes legs to another level and it spreads and it spreads and it spreads and it spreads like coming to the hours before the game last week I was getting messages from people fans like oh I can understand you know people haven't been paid in a couple of weeks and you know going part time like none of that is true like that's not true it's emphatically not true and unfortunately it's a slightly damaging thing so Stephen O'Donnell came out and went on a bit of a rant afterwards right at the local media now I think parts of that was misplaced, uh, in my opinion, from the perspective that I don't think you can come out and, and ask why there has been negativity around the club for, you know, with, with comparison to the golden years. Like, the peak six years happened. Um, we've come into a situation now where the ground and a lot of things have not improved. You know, there's been a lot of silence and uncertainty about where the club is going. And... Um, I think to be fair, like some of the media, local media stuff, there, a lot of it has been from the perspective of you know, what's happening with the club. It's not a criticism of O'Donnell, but the slight issue with Dundalk as a club, because nothing is happening off the pitch and it's so stale, um, all the focus is on the first team and what they do, because that is the only, because they're relying on that. Like, you know, mm. it seems like that's the only thing they're really spending money on is that. So as a consequence, there's an excessive focus on their performance, which I think at times, to be fair, probably has been a little bit harsh. Other times not. I mean, they were hammered in the cup. Um, but I, I can understand O'Donnell's frustration in that context, that like he's getting some of the backlash for stuff to do with the ground and, and the, the owner's lack of communication, which isn't really his problem at all. But I mean, generally, and whether it's well-meaning or not, like, like some of the rumours that are being spread around the town about the club and what's happening there and there's there's borderline malicious element to some of it it's really damaging to the point where my understanding of it is um that one of the prospective investors um has stepped out of the picture in the in the last week citing 
some of the toxicity around the club in the yeah. local media. So um, it's it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy is occurring here. That And, you know, so people would say that's the chickens coming home to roost. You've let this situation be created by, you know, not maybe addressing things off the park. It's created a sort of a negative cycle around the club. Then investors come in, well, why don't we read what's going on around this club? Oh, it all seems to be negative. And you can't actually get out of that cycle. But, I mean, there's a slightly irresponsible nature to some of the stuff that has been filtered out there and been seized upon. And uh, I, I just can't, like, the batshit level of rumours going around about what's going on. Like, I'm telling you, like, 99% of them are wrong. You can't even repeat them all. And I'm sure it happens around other clubs, but Dundalk seems to be another level of Sorry. it. And I think that's where some of the frustration maybe comes from. But there's a difference between frustration with that, which is completely justified, versus... You know, I think there's been valid criticisms of, well, what are you actually doing off the pitch? But again, O'Donnell is the face of that because other people probably aren't out front talking about that it, stuff. Be, be, because uh, there's basically no prize money in the league, no TV deal. Um, and if you see, like Luke Comer says, this are, these are his words, we've invested 800 grand upwards of a million in a year in a first division team, right? So that completely contextualizes Galway season as well. If, if if that is true and that money has gone in, Galway United should be winning the league, really, or certainly pushing more from very sorry, close. Sorry, for how much? Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, 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 apologies. First division, of course. Division. Yeah, so yeah, they should be. Yeah. Now, next season, my feeling is that he's going to invest more. You've three overseas takeovers. So if you're Sligo and Dock now, you're like, how do, how do we, Sligo in particular as a member's model club in the west of Ireland, how do we compete with this? And Dundalk seems to be in that situation where Dundalk, if they don't make Europe, isn't really sustainable as a model. Because they're not, they're, they're underage. Where, where's the money coming into Dundalk if they're not in Europe? Do you know what yeah, I mean? It well, just isn't. They've had Senna Munnell play the last two weeks, who's, who's been good. And this is mm. the thing, like, again, just, like, I think there's complexities to a lot of what happened there. I mean, again, like that local takeover that went through the Statsports Andy Connolly one, I think that maybe at that time there would have been thoughts of things happening with Statsports can't be going through too much deal, over the next couple of years haven't really come to pass. And I think probably... Um, I, I suppose like financially it looked like a better bet at the time and mm. then in reality it probably hasn't turned out to be the case mm. and they need that little bit of help and again I mean there's been a lot of different parties involved the slight concern is that from their perspective is that I mean they, they can't really offer contracts to players Um at this point because they don't have certainty around the investment situation but the investment situation seems to be fluid and in the sense that a couple of the parties that are around the table I think now weren't around it a couple of months ago mm. there was a couple of options that were knocking around involving Larne in uh, Northern Ireland and, and um, something to do with Newcastle and stuff that's not happening from my understanding it's, it's other parties there but as I said, it does just seem like one of them would have backed out in the last couple of days so um, the Huben thing as well I mean Again, I don't think the interview probably helps, but he probably feels he needs to have his say. Uh, and the argument could be, maybe could you have had that discussion with him at the end of the season rather than with two games to go? Uh, it doesn't become as much of a thing. Now, were they trying to do him a favour, you know, to let him know, so to alert other clubs? And like, it just seems like a lot as a perfect storm has come together there. Um, but they do have a chance, win by four goals at UCD and, and, and shells draw and draw there. And who knows, they could be in Europe, which would be a weird, goal could have been massive against UCD. Now. It was a huge goal, yeah. although a draw, like with a draw, shells were still actually in control yeah. of their destiny. But definitely yeah. a draw could be enough for them now. Keith Murphy, what do you make of the standoff between Bose fans and the squad after Friday's game where they stood and took the abuse? Positive or negative reaction to follow. Uh, also, at Europe, the target would you rather be a Shells than Dock or Bose fan at this moment Shells. in time? Um, I, I still think um, I think Bose are still in a good place in a lot of ways. In the short term, I think longer term, I still think Bose are the best bet of those three clubs. I would say that. Um, but the standoff, yeah, people didn't see this. Declan Devine and the players, like Leon a couple of weeks ago, we just stand and you stare at the fans and like you take the abuse. Now, Leon are still bottom of the table as far as I know, so I don't think it started a reaction. Um, but I think they were getting a bit back and it's just a weird vibe going into the Given the start they have had, given the start they had this season, Bose have tanked to an extent. They've gotten to a situation where they're, you know, I have Bose fans texting me saying we've no chance well, was, to Yeah, well, I think they, I think they have Obviously a chance Bose fans can be a little bit like football fans in yeah. life. I did they, 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 they had course they have a chance. Yeah, Scott John was the Bose reaction over the top. They are probably in line with what their budget is with regard to other clubs. I don't know. Like Shells would have a smaller budget than Bose. One hundred percent. Bose relative to Pats. Um, 
I, I, yeah, Pats have some very high earning players, but then the, the the mean probably wouldn't be as high. You know, Bows, yeah, Bows. Like, look, you can list your squad. You know, like they, I wouldn't say it's a cheaply assembled group mm. either. Um, you know, you, you would think they should be fourth, probably top four, and particularly after their start, and that's why it's it's so disappointing for them. Um, yeah, and there's a couple of other comments of that nature in both, but they're all along the same lines. Evan, thoughts on Drawda, and Evan, amongst others, Shelburne fan, thoughts on Drawda reducing the away allocation to 450 for the Shells game with no reason given. Seems randomly spiteful. Yeah, I was trying to find out what the reason was. I think there was an incident where Shells were there previously uh, involving Shells fans and a linesman, but ultimately it's at Drawda's discretion to do it. Um, again, it wouldn't be for me. Like Drawda have just had a situation where their fans have been banned from an away game yeah. on other ground. Maybe are they saying, well... I don't know. I haven't asked Drada to be clear, so I don't know what their thinking is. Um, but I know no love lost between some of the characters involved in mm-hmm. Drada and Shells in recent years, so they'll be certainly motivated to uh, to pose Shells a couple of problems on Friday. Jonathan Kelly, hey lads, just passing on a growing the league abroad story in commas. Uh, I'm in Newcastle working every two weeks, and all my colleagues are avid Newcastle season ticket holders. They often ask who I follow brackets and pats and I tell them I told them there was a game on Friday one of the fellas has a dodgy box and tuned in despite being treated to the Premier League every week he loves the energy from the crowd the flares the bite to the game and even the raw nature of the football the physicality and the youngsters on show he's going to keep an eye out each time there's a game on don't condone a dodgy box important distinction um, but good way to grow interest abroad until JW has the LOI green zone up and running I like the little take on the red zone I'll give Jonathan the mailbag for that because it's a you know it's a wholesome story I, I'm not going to um, name this personality in the league um, but he did message me lately you're doing great on racing TV ah cheers do you subscribe no <laughs> read into that oh, what you what a game but that's a nice story Jonathan uh, Parig neutral venues for the first division playoff final and promotion relegation playoff we haven't even talked about that should Waterford have been rewarded with home advantage in the playoff final or finishing higher in the first division yeah but okay but what if they'd lost to Atlone do you, you know the ninth place Premier Division team only have to play one playoff game home advantage for the first division team question mark no I think the neutral decider is fine for me I'm first division clubs did vote against a two-legged final there aren't that many proper grounds and for the this. issue they have is it's meant to be in Turner's Cross but there's issues with the the pitch and the weather mm. down there it's possibility that could be in Daily Mount um, mm. Cove against Waterford I think um, Cove deserve huge credit Cork Waterford apparently could be in Tala if it ends up being down mm. Cork Cove Cove maybe are willing to play in Turner's Cross if they can have the shed in the home dressing room mm. so a lot of dicking around going on with it but um, Waterford laboured a little bit against that loan but yeah. Romeo with the hat trick Romeo, uh, Romeo was on fire you'd have to say they're going to guess um, his surname Akachuku uh, isn't it yeah um, like a hat trick another Man City like him apparently yeah. as, as long from as midfield uh, yeah. very very I, I have to say um, loan have been at loan this season but um, I thought they put up a good fight on the pitch they were very good in the first leg makes their results in the running and baffling because yeah. they, they, they only showed up yeah. in the playoff Cove Wexford I mean the pitch I know people are nostalgic for it but it was an absolute mud bath it was like watching like League of Ireland videos from the 90s mm. you know on Sports Stadium presented mm. by Jim Sherwin Jim Sherwin you know, going yeah. to uh, the studio for like 5-6 minutes <laughs> and then like you know players drowning in Dundalk in a Dundalk Galway game there's a great clip of that I mean it was fine you know but I, I feel like it's a shame the playoff games at the end of the season have to be decided on a, a pitch like that but uh Cove got the job done and to be fair second and third are in the playoffs so for people who have an issue yeah. would have been extended to yeah. fourth and fifth you've probably got what the optimum scenario I, I, under, I, I understand a lot of the Cove lads are on little more than expenses I think Shane King's done a brilliant job there really has Cove's always an interesting club because of that relationship with its bigger rival yeah so, so Ryan Coley they overperform at the structure we have off the pitch only one full-time person above Higgins I wasn't aware of that but certainly I think Derry um yeah, you definitely like we, we just it's so true in this country like one of the issues with clubs that all the money goes into the first team and you've mm. seen that like even places like Dundalk and people it's like you know maybe you don't always need that third choice right back or second choice right back but then you think you do because you're in the moment and again and sometimes that's justified because no matter what goes on behind the scenes if the first team is failing you're told like everything is terrible you know it's it's a mm. it's a bad, particularly in certain places it's it's pronounced but um i totally agree like you, i i feel like you're ring fencing money for staffing is something that the eventually as part of any government fei stuff they maybe just need to enforce it and say you just you have to have your promotions officer we've had this at times in the past you have to have your community officer you have we're to trying have to make it an industry x amount and you just you're gonna have to accept mm. that maybe you can't have all those players you know you have to just let one or two of them go but it's so easily said mm. so easily said uh, Jay why does Sligo play Fridays 
they just think the crowds are better. So Saturdays rather than Fridays, they just the history shows that the crowds are better. Europe, Bowsey, there are obvious teams and trends of slow but steady progress within the LOI. For example, increased crowd attendances, quality youth flares performing on first teams, LOI TV is broadened viewing. Anything you'd like to see more of for 2024 season? Probably more of the above. You know, improved LOI TV stuff in the first division, maybe. Um, Oh, look, we want we want everything. We want a TV deal. We want more TV games, regular timings next year. I don't know. It's, the wish list is 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 vast. You know, I don't even know where you start with that. Chris, is the League Cup permanently gone or any thoughts on bringing it back next season? I see the new player status committee, the PFI, when are talking about uh, the players have, have advocated that they would like it to come back. Should definitely come so back. So I see if that makes a difference. And yeah, Damien Riley, thoughts on the choice of live game shown for this Friday. Surely a more meaningful game could have been chosen than they could have gone live to the sh- show the trophy being lifted post-match. I have to be consistent on this. The game to show on Friday will be draw to shells but it's not a great venue for TV and I sort of feel like, oh, I don't really, you know, there has to be some consequences for having a facility that's that bad and that's mm. probably not getting the live TV mm. coverage. Um, but to me, the race for Ford is the most in- interesting thing. Mm. But on balance, to be consistent, I have to agree with the decision even though if I understand where the gripe comes from. And finally, I got a, this didn't directly come to the mailbag, but it came to, um, it came to my Twitter page and it was uh, in the second last match in 2019, uh, with dismantled UCD already relegated and Rovers winning 2-0 they scored a third at the end of the match into the empty net with Connor Cairns injured on the ground plus there was comments in the post-match interview that was uh, no it was unclear what the comments were uh, that was a strong leadership sportsmanship and good example to follow which is slightly sarcastic but the person who sent that message was Magic Magic Tarnagresk going to get the pronunciation the ex, are you looking at that me blankly here? Nuts. You're looking at me blankly. That's Magic, mad. Who was the manager of UCD in that game? Oh, so, wow. so in, in response to the Stephen Bradley Cork City situation, um, and I sort of posted up that story, and there was a lot of uh, comments and questions about it. But I did get, um, yeah, I did get a former League of Ireland manager who I, I feel bad now that I've mangled his surname. I'm going to get it right here. Uh, it's not ma- straightforward magic yeah magic Tarnogrodsky yeah. who's now managing I see how he's working for a club in Poland but uh, good to hear from good to hear from you magic <laughs> uh, and clearly you have your memories of uh, yeah I, t- I feel like Rovers and Stephen Brady definitely on their way up they definitely ruffled a lot of feathers along the way you know and, and this is part of it and just goes to show people haven't forgotten people never forget so um that's it and the other managers have had issues with um but people feel free to uh <laughs> feel free to get in touch um but that's pretty much it i mean this week's fixtures we have yeah. on saturday we should let the first division first as such we have cove rounders against waterford just venue sort of tbc as we speak really um or certainly it's up in the air and then on friday we do have the last round of fixtures we've got you we've got sorry we've got shamrock rovers sligo rovers for the trophy lift we've got Derry city against st patrick's athletic for second place um and then we've got uh the race for fourth so we've got Drawdy United at home to Shelburne. Shelburne win and they're and they're done they're true they're, they're they've got fourth um and then they're waiting for pats if they draw then Dundalk, if they win by four goals in UCD, will take mm. fourth. If there's a scenario whereby Dundalk drop points in UCD, Bowes could hammer Cork City tactically. Um, or if draw to beat Shelburne. You know, that is, yeah. I mean, it's not far-fetched I, at all. I think they'll be motivated. So I think Bowes, I mean, they're down the list, but there's probably, you know, they can give it a go. And there is the, the race for the golden boot as they're starting with Afalabi and Keating. But the question is, do you play either of them? And you've got to play off for a cup final next week. We'll be back next week. We've got Monday, yeah, the live show. See we you will. all, or at least some of you on, on Monday. We won't see all of them, no. But we'll, we'll, um, says, we will play it as well if you're not there. Obviously. We'll pick some of the best bits and we'll put it out next week. Um, and yeah, no, we're Th- looking forward to that. Thanks in advance to Rascals, Future Ticketing and Collar and Cuff all playing um, a role in um, our ultimate demise actually on Monday. But we're, I think we're going to have a bit of crackdown. <laughs> um, yeah, and so hopefully so. we will see you there. <laughs>